Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for our fortnightly market update by Jason Durden, uh, my colleague in charge of energy markets and risk management at Alpha. Jason, uh, welcome to you. It's been an unusually busy couple of weeks. What's been going on in the power markets? Hugely volatile markets, uh, Jeremy, as we uh, moved into 2021. Plenty going on in the uh, fuel feedstock pricing in terms of gas, coal and uh, carbon. But uh, also post-EU, no internal energy market mechanisms for balancing the UK system uh, and the market probably in in exactly the wrong conditions of peak demand and rocketing fuel input costs has been searching to deliver you know peak demand with significant changes to how that power is secured through auctions uh, without being part of the internal energy market so teething troubles uh, a few issues around the margins and probably one or two power generators taking advantage as well and we've seen all-time record pricing on balancing markets we've seen certain slots during the afternoon sessions not just the peak but uh, all all around lunchtime as well uh, making a thousand pounds for half an hour plus in order to uh, get capacity onto a onto a system that at times has been seriously pushed with nearly 47 gigs of demand Indeed, and that figure of 47 gigawatts of demand, I mean, that's not wholly unexpected in a, in a coolish uh, winter period. In fact, I, I imagine we must have had higher demand than that at, at points in the past. Uh, but we have got one or two power stations uh, not running at, at full output, particularly some, some of the nuclear fleet until recently, and, and one of the interconnectors out. Has, has supply been, been an issue in, in the end, or is it? Or do you interpret this mostly as about uh, you know, the market coming to terms with a new, newer range? I think uh, 47 gigs is is significant demand. It's as you said, it's cold, but it's not super exceptional. It's probably one or two gigs more than we're we're looking at now, for uh, for instance. But um, I'd say that uh, certainly balancing markets, um, certainly Britnet being out until February, um, which is the interconnector between the Netherlands and the UK, that's obviously tightened the market. But I would really just say, you know, when we're banking on five to 10 plus gigs of wind and, you know, on some of these days we've been receiving less than one gig of wind onto the system, there is that, you know, that rush away from dispatchable power when we haven't quite mastered the art of uh, being able to, uh, you know, support a maximum demand system um, without wind. I think that's a really important observation, and it's not anti-wind to say it. We've got huge volumes of onshore and offshore wind in the UK at the moment when when the wind is blowing, and on average it produces an awful lot of low-carbon power, and the cost of that's been going down, but the cost of balancing uh, an increasingly intermittent system have gone up. You know, those £1,000 a megawatt-hour balancing costs and so on uh, that you mentioned, there's going to be a price to be paid here. It may be the right thing to do, but those costs are going to find their way onto consumers' bills, aren't they? Oh, yes, without a doubt. I mean, the consumer pays ultimately, you know, um, no question. I think, you know, the fact that we're now doing independent auctions for capacity uh, across the interconnectors, um, that obviously would have... uh, 
given a, a little bit of a change and obviously different platforms trading different levels for various slots as we moved away from the sort of the the old eu uh, internal energy market rules of course a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of fuzz uh, around the edges shall we say but uh, you know ultimately when the grid is in uh, buying in all available capacity and you've got uh, various um, various people having bought themselves out and then opting back in. There's lots going on. As I say, now we've got a little bit more wind on the system uh, this week um, and towards the end of last week, we've been seeing much more moderate pricing and a very relaxed system, really. You know, one that's certainly could theoretically be capable of you know 50 gigs plus if it was really asked to but without the wind it's uh, leaving things a little bit tight if we are you know not running everything so Britned uh, one or two nuclear stations a little bit of gas mothballed you only have to have a swing of around three or four gigs and suddenly the numbers don't look great well, uh, we'll have our fingers crossed for a little bit more wind output in the weeks ahead. Uh, but of course, this has highlighted the need for flexible power generation as well as flexible demand. And, and, and much of that, of course, comes from gas. And it probably hasn't helped that uh, the pressure has been on in the gas market internationally. I, I gather demand in Asia has been a particular issue and uh, LNG cargoes haven't been coming to Europe to the extent they might otherwise have done. Is that broadly right? Yeah, we saw uh, a significant increase in um Asian LNG prices as we move through December. Market reacted in a modest way in terms of, you know, the weather outlook wasn't looking so great here. There was plenty of LNG coming in from the US at that point, but the outlook was looking a little bit tighter. Coming to the new year, and I think given what's been going on in the power market, there was a perfect setting for, you know, a few people to panic and see this this Asian price zoom up to uh, you know two pounds and 15 20 pence a therm i think you know what's not being talked about here is the fact that uh, some of that wasn't deliverable at any price you know it's not that easy logistically to switch flows from from the atlantic to asia specifically around uh, the panama canal um, and certainly around the long way around the cape um, that obviously uh, you know adds weeks and weeks to transit in terms of the market being a little bit skewed because we didn't have any lng coming in from having you know more than adequate amounts coming in in december we've now begun to see for the last week of the month lng reappear so we've seen Almost effectively a year on, we've seen LNG was displacing pipeline gas this time last year. Actually, you know, there's enough LNG for emergency high demand days, such as we saw in the first few days of uh, the month. But what we're not seeing is we're not seeing regular throughputs of LNG based on price. Um, so there's been a shift and we've had to attract more gas through the interconnectors, more pipeline gas. Uh, and that has ultimately pushed prices up from fairly distressed 2020 levels to something more akin with uh, a coolish winter in a finely balanced uh, supply environment. Nothing exceptional though, Jeremy. 
I think that's an important observation for those of us with, with long memories. Gas prices at 55, 60 pence a therm or thereabouts are not unusual during winter periods. And perhaps we've all got rather used to having a, an awful lot of um, you know, unsustainably cheap, uh, perhaps LNG sloshing, sloshing around in world markets. Um, and I guess, you know, it, it may feel a little uncomfortable uh, seeing those prices return, but it's not abnormal and it shouldn't be cause for concern about security of supply, I don't think. No, I would have thought that uh, 55 to 60 pence is very much where we would expect to see spot pricing in a peak demand environment. I have to say, when it all jumped to 85 pence uh, last week uh, and the front month followed, the remaining winter months uh, have reflected everything that's gone on in the prompt. So when you're looking at 83 pence February gas, clearly that's a bit of a shock but ultimately you've only got to go back to i can i can show you spot and front month prices of that sort of magnitude in a summer no less less than two and a half years ago so these are not exceptional prices by any stretch of the imagination and i think you know coming out of a pandemic year where we saw gas being delivered during the summer at uh, in single digits i think the skewed perspective quite a, a little bit Right, and I suppose we should also touch briefly on, on carbon, which recently hit record prices of around 35 euros a tonne. Any news on that? I mean, the UK has moved to its own carbon market, which is likely to shadow the European one. Uh, and any particular noteworthy comments about the market there at the moment? Yeah, so uh, carbon at 35 euros, new highs, pulled back a little bit uh, since those highs were marked in the early part of January. Uh, the market's has sold back to about 31.60. It's now trading around 32 uh, euros uh, midweek. You're always going to get, if you look back at the charts over the last uh, few years, the price peaks are always delivered when there is no primary auction activity. It's uh, dependent on everything going through the secondary market. We don't have any primary auctions because of COVID delays and the Christmas break until the 1st of February for the EUA. So we would expect some some settling down of uh, perhaps uh, the price. Pullback from 35 though, um, difficult to see any sort of downside to 30 euros, most definitely. Uh, and why is that? Well, we've just had a slew of forecasts from the great and the good all talking about 40 euro carbon. Um, in 21 so that never helps um, I think those sorts of moves need to be sort of substantiated by further very aggressive moves from the uh, Commission to actually ensure that uh, those prices uh, happen um, withdrawal of more more credits still some conjecture over actually what free allocations are going to look like for the new year because of the covid delays you know markets will only wildly speculate when there is no clarity around these things um, and, and that's not helpful but uh, i'd certainly be thinking that 30 to 35 is is probably the best we can hope for this year um, unless there is a sea change in sort of the political attitude and certainly you know where we saw perhaps going into covid where all the, the all the forecasters were dumping their 
forecast for carbon for 20 saying that actually you know 25 euros is not sustainable there's no value above 19 you know for them to turn around this year less than 12 months later and say it's based on a value of 39 probably shows that you know how political this market is how how wide of the mark uh, forecasting typically is and um, and perhaps that uh, the market is so open to interpretation that you know one wonders if it actually can deliver uh, any benefit to the the greening of the economy um, other than just be a, a tax for European manufacturers. Well, that's one one to watch for the future, absolutely. And and lastly, and, and briefly, for customers who are on flexible contracts or considering them, what would your sort of takeaway be from the last couple of weeks' events in the markets? Is this a reason to fear being on a flex, flexible contract? Is is this is the, the other side of the coin from when you have good times? Uh, what would your takeaway be? Yeah, um, certainly in the short term, it looks like it's been quite difficult and they the the volatile swings are, are making it slightly uh, difficult for short-term players prompt and front month customers uh, you know it's going to have been quite choppy for those that trade seasons and uh, like to put things away you know I'm always focused on you know long-term averages and what it looks like in the in the grand scheme of things these prices are not exceptional they certainly don't represent the distressed asset liquidation that we saw at the end of Q1 last year so if you bought your April or October contract in Q1 or early Q2 last year, um, that was the bottom of the market. Don't expect those distressed prices to be replicated in more normal times. And one could argue that we're actually still living through the worst bits of uh, the pandemic. So, you know, but markets don't function like that. They're always looking way ahead. And ultimately, um, I would say that if you dial 2020 out of the equation, prices although perhaps you know for for those people looking on year on year savings they have to see 2020 in the context of it was an exceptional year and not the norm and that we're only seeing a return to more normal behavior in 2021. Well, I think that's a, a very balanced point on which to conclude. Jason, thank you so much as ever for, for all your insights. Well, if you enjoyed that, found it interesting and would like to find out more, uh, do have a look at our reports on alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. And we hope you join us for another podcast again soon.